Hello, everyone, and welcome to the eighth episode of the CRCC Spotlights podcast. My name's Helen Souter. I'm chairing this episode. This is our episode we're choosing to focus um, this time on mental well-being. We're calling the episode Lawyers in Lockdown. Um, so I'm joined today by um, a lovely cast of people. So I have Rob Allen, um, a partner at Simmons, Siobhan Chandiramani, who's an associate in my team, and a very special guest, Emma Randall, who's from the central London branch of Samaritans today. So the, the sort of the genesis of today's podcast is really just thinking about um, you know where we are in terms of in the middle of January, in the middle of lockdown, um, Siobhan and I have been, we're in the same team, spent, spending some time talking about some of the challenges that everyone's facing at the moment um, as investigations, lawyers or otherwise. And we thought it'd be a really opportune moment just to, to get some different perspectives on the episode and talk about what we've been experiencing over the last year um, and some of the different um, behaviours that we, we're seeing and ways that people can help each other through the current environment. So can I just ask everyone... Um, really briefly, because you've all got sort of different hats that you have on today. Can I ask you to briefly introduce yourselves? Emma, maybe we can start with you. Hello, it's really good to be with you today. Thank you. Um, yes, I've been a listening volunteer at Central London Samaritans for about 15 years. Um, and for the last couple of years, I've also been the branch director, also in a volunteer role. Um, thanks, Helen, for that. Um, I'm a mental health champion in CRCC, and as a mental health champion, my role is to advocate for better mental health in the workplace. Um, essentially, we're not qualified to give out professional mental health advice, but we do go through a basic mental health first aid course that teaches us how to signpost people to the right resources or seek help where necessary. I think the idea behind this is that each team or sub-team has designated mental health champions um, that are somewhat of a recognizable phase for people to approach should they feel like having a conversation and it sort of drastically reduces um, you know the formality of maybe going to HR or or your line manager in the first instance. And uh, hi um, everyone I'm uh, Rob Allen as Helen said I'm a partner in the litigation team uh, like Siobhan I'm also a mental health champion I, I'm also one of the partners in the firm responsible for uh, essentially integrating and bringing in something called the Mindful Business Charter, which is a, uh, a single document of, of principles and organisations commitment um, dedicated to removing unnecessary sources of stress and promoting better mental health and well-being in the workplace. Um, it originally started um, being specifically the, the legal professional workplace that has started branching out into other areas of business as well. Yes, and I should say I um, work with Rob on that initiative um, at an associate level. Um, and maybe that sort of the MBC, as we call it internally, or more broadly as well, maybe the Mindful Business Charter is, is a good place to start because what it got us thinking about from inception and, and should keep us thinking about from a day-to-day -day basis is how we work with each other and what kind of impact we have from a mental wellness perspective on each other's lives when we work together. And what what I was thinking there was in terms of the ways of working that we have been used to as lawyers, um, what, you know, a lot has changed. Um, what has had the biggest impact in terms of in terms of what has changed for us in lockdown? Mm -hmm. I mean, for, for myself, I think working as an investigations lawyer is 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 very 
high stress at times. Um, there's a lot of responsibility in the criminal law work that we do. Um, you can end up doing a lot of time either traveling, um, conducting interviews, doing intensive document review, doing very difficult legal analysis. And Trevon, you and I have talked a lot about some of these things over the course of the lockdown. I know from my side, I've found doing those things in, in a relatively isolated environment has been extremely tricky. What do you think? I, I would completely agree, Helen. Um, honestly, I feel like as investigations lawyers, the, the long periods of solitude work that we, we have to do really behind the scenes. Um, and like you said, whether that's preparing for interviews, writing defense statements or investigation reports, or sometimes it's just like reviewing like masses and masses of documents. And that can be incredibly isolating. Um, I know previously when we were working in the office, we had to actively seek out quiet time to, to do these tasks. And, and now it's almost like you can't escape your mind because, um, you know, you're just in one setting, whether it's in your personal life or your work life. Yeah, and you can't escape the emails either, can you? I know, Rob, that's something that you and I have talked about before, the fact that we are contactable uh, even more so now at all times and we're sort of always on when we're working from home. Well, I think that's right. Um, I think the, uh, and, and, you know, just go back to the Mindful Business Charter there, the there is an interesting tension that's arisen as a result of this. The, some of the, the key tenets of, of that charter are issues such as respecting people's rest periods, uh, reducing unnecessary emails, um, and uh, including working hours availability as, as part of people's email signatures, you know, things like that. Um, what we found a lot, I think, now we are you know a long way into lockdown is uh, uh, we, we hear a lot about well-being and and knowing that now is a, a time when we more than ever need to be empathetic and, and think about everyone's well-being however the the type of working practice that has been evolving is is counter to that uh, we are always perceived perhaps to be on call because we're always in our workplace the number of emails um, since March this year has just increased relentlessly uh, because it's it's the easiest way for everyone to communicate. And if we're not on emails, we're on calls the whole time. And the, the classic working hours of nine to five have, uh, have changed. Um, and, and I think that it, it, the, while the Mindful Business Charter and those kind of working practices that it promotes are as important as ever, I, I think life in lockdown um, uh, is really threatening those practices at the same time. Mm. Emma, have you, how have you seen these sort of, these issues with the new working environments play out into increased demand for the sort of Samaritan support that is offered from the branch? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've always been busy. Um, free during, no doubt, post lockdown. And actually we, we, I get a sense that it's really in the next period, the next year, 18 months, we're really going to see the actual impact of what's been happening to all of us. Mm. Um, whether it, you know, whether you have a, and I would just a, a point, I'm really pleased you call it mental well-being and not mental health. Mm. I think when we talk about these things, we kind of, we add a lot of labels and, and we kind of, kind of label, sorry, phrase again, label people. <laughs> and actually, People who've never, ever had an issue before may for the very first time in their lives feel a bit anxious or a bit breathless and they don't know what it is and it 
scares the living daylights out of them. And it's totally normal to feel like that. And it's about not panicking in the moment. And what we do as Samaritans is we spend an enormous amount of time doing peer-to-peer support, because if we're not looking after ourselves, we can't look after anybody else. And really the key message that we're trying to get across is whatever your circumstances, and definitely we're picking up on people um, struggling with isolation and an extended period of pressure that isn't doesn't look like it's going to go away anytime soon it's just being kind to yourself and i like the the concept of of what you're trying to achieve about being respectful and mindful of how you communicate with each other and it takes a bit of work to do that it's not natural um in some some cultures um in particular work environments so i applaud the efforts that you're making and you're not going to get it right every time but if as long as you keep trying and it's on the agenda, then that's kind of half the battle, even recognising that there might be an issue there. Yeah, I think that's that's absolutely right in terms of what you were just saying around it not necessarily being natural to be mindful of, of mental well-being in, in the legal environment. I think that is certainly true. That is one of the reasons why the charter was, was put in place to help drive different behaviours. Um, I think there's a recognition that it needs to be something as you say that is actively worked upon um just as we have worked upon other areas where businesses need to improve their culture or could benefit from improvement in their culture um i think it has to come from the client side it has to come from the juniors and the associates like like me who are trying to trying to implement the charter um at our level but i mean rob as a a partner leading on on the charter and as a manager um of, of people in our business um, you know, what are the particular challenges um, that you faced in in sort of the last year? How how have you seen that change over time? I mean, I I think as a, a manager, um, the, again, as I as I flagged earlier, uh, it, it's very easy to say, oh, we're we're very conscious of people's well being. Is everyone okay? Are you all right? It's much harder. Um, to, to to put something genuine underneath that, mm. um, and I uh, I think that is a challenge um, in itself, um, and you just have to take even more care than you normally would to in, to ensure that you're properly engaging with those issues and that you're spotting them mm. to the extent you can. I mean, uh, none of the managers at Simmons are mental health professionals. Uh, you know, it's not their job to spot things, but of course you need to to be be alive to people's well-being. However, I think um, a, a key issue is that that becomes harder and also people's sense of being in a team and a community uh, drops away in, in circumstances where we're all sitting in screens and you're not in the same place physically, at least in terms of our work, because it's something we're used to. Obviously, there are people who are, are used to working like this. And I think, um, again, in terms of management, that becomes... A lot harder what you start to sense particularly this number of months in that that kind of glue that has kept people together is dissolving a bit and there is a challenge in in keeping it there because as as emma i think you said earlier there are people who haven't had a consciously had a well-being um issue before suddenly experiencing it as a, as a manager it's very hard to to know where to go with that where you are when you're just sitting in your room, um, you can't pick up cues from people. You can't talk to other people who may have been with them. 
So I think um, there is a lot there is a lot there that that managers will have to struggle with and have been struggling with. Um, and I, I don't think there's any you know immediate solution. Again, it's just I think it's important of everyone to be conscious of of those limits. Yeah, can I just say when you were talk, talking before, there's no. I mean, you, you, I'm sure your employment division will know that, you know, all the people working from home, there's a risk assessment you can put in place for that, for the physical um, arrangements they've got. There's no mental health assessment on a risk assessment, is there? And no. that's it's, it's really tricky. But I, and also, I think it's important that, yes, you have a responsibility, but you don't have ownership. Because yeah. there's only so much you can do and you can't, you know, as you say, it's impossible to spot how people are doing. All you can do is create an environment where they can find the support they need. And often it won't be in-house because they won't feel comfortable with that. Um, but it's about signposting to where people can get help and not feeling embarrassed about it because there is still a big stigma about saying I'm not okay and you know we're getting better at it and companies like yours are certainly trying to address it but there's a long way to go before you know the average man in the street would feel comfortable turning around and saying I'm really struggling. Yeah well no if I, if I could just just Pop in there. I, I, I completely agree with you, Emma. Uh, I think um, at, at the risk of, of kind of putting a bit of a downer on it, I think we do now at Simmons, uh, as as lawyers, try and make it clear, and as managers to who are people, make it clear that it, it is okay not to be okay, and it's okay to to say you're not okay. Um, I think uh, again, there's some way to go before that's actually something that is. Um, uh, practiced as well as preached because um, you know these things always take time to really embed themselves I think um, managers themselves uh, put themselves under sometimes too much pressure in trying to spot issues and solve issues and as you said Anna quite rightly you, you can't solve all these questions and, and a lot of the time the people who, who are suffering or have some problems don't want to necessarily bring that up in a work environment with their work colleagues. It's about knowing where that support is elsewhere. Absolutely. I think Rob just actually naturally fits quite well with what I was going to say, which was it may not necessarily be at manager level that um, the relevant support is there. Siobhan and I have spoken quite a lot about how much our associate team within the criminal law team has come together over the course of the last year. Um, one of our senior associates had the frankly genius idea right at the beginning of putting a half an hour Teams call into our diaries for every day, every working day, um, so that people could have an opportunity to have the what we call it like the water cooler chat. And the idea was that you didn't necessarily join every day, you joined if you wanted to or if you could, and you didn't join on you know any days when it didn't really work or you weren't feeling up to it. And we've actually had a, a really good sort of natural ebb and flow of attendance over the course of the last year and our team has become really quite close mm -hmm. and offered quite a lot of you know invaluable support to each other through that um through that meeting through that mm -hmm. sort of very informal chat um that we've been having so it may not be uh, that manager level it might be your your peers um and and i think it's in terms of creating that culture you you must do what works for you right I, I completely agree, Helen, and and these 
these daily chats that you've referred to have been um, a massive lifesaver for me. I was only about six months qualified when we went into lockdown. And I think I lost a lot of, um, you know, a, a lot of the soft skills and learnings I would have gained from being in the office or being in meeting rooms with partners and senior associates. And frankly, I, I felt quite disconnected at the start. And I think you know, it feels quite artificial to to call up someone and have these kind of conversations that you would otherwise naturally have. But um, definitely bringing in those daily chats and um, and just having those informal conversations has definitely, I think, um, helped me a lot in the last, you know. It also it, it also puts like you know this whole concept that people aren't going to go back to the office again I think in first lockdown because everyone was just about to write and it was the weather was good and the really simple things we could just about cope with this one is making everybody realize that no we are all sentient human beings and we, yeah. we need that contact yeah and we need those moments and that's it's it's not a really big deal it's just a reality so um, I think the other thing I'd say is this is probably the, one of the darkest times of any year and people often struggle at this time of the year. But this we've got to remember that this will pass. This is not our reality forever um, and that we will come out of the other side of this. And hopefully with some improved practices of how we go about supporting each other um, and all the rest of it, it could be a real opportunity for us to do things better. I completely agree with that, Emma. And I think just one thing I didn't want to lose the opportunity to to sort of lead into was obviously not everybody's going to feel comfortable talking to their manager or even their peers necessarily about mental well-being or whether they're in a particularly crisis moment or not. I mean, but this is where I think Samaritans is is absolutely crucial as um, as a charity. And I, I think just worth passing over to you for a sec. How do people... How do people reach out to Samaritans, whether it's because they you know, feel they need some support or whether because they themselves want to offer some support to the charity? Well, it's great to be able to talk to you because I think people think that we're a crisis suicide um, charity, but we're not. We're so much more than that. And basically, you can pick up the phone to us. I think the really helpful thing for, for removing barriers to be open about how you're feeling is when you phone us, we can't see your phone number. It won't show up on your phone bill. So if you didn't want a member of your household family to know that you were in contact with us, they won't be able to see that. And you can phone us even if you don't have credit on your mobile phone. And that number is 116123. The other thing about that is it's 24 hours a day, 365 days of the year. So I was on a night watch last night, for instance, and taking calls at three, four o'clock in the morning. And that's when people who might never think that they've needed just somebody else at the other end of a phone that's when we could be there for them the other thing about what we do is we don't give advice and we don't make any judgment on what you tell us so you could feel as embarrassed as you like about what you want to talk about or as nervous or whatever it might be and there's no consequence to you being open in the in the Samaritan space and I think that that really works, um, particularly for people who would never feel comfortable talking to a friend or a family member about the fact they're really struggling with something. And it doesn't have to be crisis. If you've had a bad day, if you've woken up in the middle of the night, if you've realised you just spent too much money betting on something, that's when you pick up the phone to us. Because offloading and having a chat is a remarkably positive experience. 
Um, and you can also email us if you don't feel like um, picking up the phone. It's not for everybody to, to speak. You can email us at joe at samaritans.org. But yeah, and volunteering, I mean, the evidence is so strong that any form of volunteering is can be very healthy for you. And Samaritans won't be for everybody, but there are how many thousands of opportunities are out there out there to do very light touch or more involved volunteering. And it gives you another perspective on life. So I, I mean, I love being a volunteer. I, I find it really re rewarding to be there for people. And it helps me as well. It really does. It's helped me a lot in my life. Um, to gain skills and develop emotional awareness and confidence in how to have difficult conversations. Well, we're, we're so grateful to you, Emma, for, for joining us today and sharing your the benefit of your experience with us and helping to bring a greater awareness to the people listening to this podcast of, um, like we say, these different perspectives and what the Samaritans can do and what you can do for Samaritans. So, Thank you, um, Emma, but also thank you to Robin Siobhan for joining today. Um, I think that's all we've got time for this week. But um, Can I just say one final little thing? Of course. Be nice to yourselves. <laughs> really be nice to yourselves. Don't beat yourself up. Give yourself a bit of time, space and just be nice to yourselves. Very good advice. I think on that note, I'm going to be kind to myself and make myself a cup of tea. Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.